There is a there is a SAG actor named Damon Taylor whose only like major credit is he was a he was like a background player in The Last Samurai. What? And, like, yeah. <laughs> hey man, everybody's gonna make a living. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was on the samurai team. You should just <laughs> you should just uh, adopt that. Uh, identity. Take over his IMDb page. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure pretty SAG fun. is pretty uncool about that kind of thing. <laughs> you're, you don't have to. You're not in SAG, so those rules don't apply. I guess. Also, even if you didn't take it over, it would just be fun to like go to a party and be like, "Well, I'm the David In Taylor. my first career, I tried. I tried to make it as an actor. I was in <laughs> Last Samurai. You can look it up. But then I just decided like it wasn't for me anymore, and just have people be like, "Shit, he was in the Last Samurai." That's like Schmidt on New Girl pretending he's Tug Romney, like yeah. the smallest and lesser of the Romney brothers. Yeah. Well, I was Time Magazine's Person of the Year in two thousand six. So. Yes. So was I. <laughs> oh right, that's the that's one. That's the one <laughs> That took me a minute. I'm like, what? We can prove. It. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about Forrest Gump. I want to say that's seven and a half minutes of political cold open. Yeah, let's maybe not use the we're last gonna, like 30 <laughs> seconds of it, huh? We're going to use like, we're going to use like 30 seconds of it. <laughs> it's going to be a funny 30 seconds. And it's seconds. probably going to be the dick joke from the middle. So. <laughs> you made a dick joke in the middle? No. Don't we always? Oh. <laughs> Just generally, I see. Uh, so we're talking about, do you already say it? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about Forrest Gump, uh, specifically... <laughs> I wanted to figure out what he was worth. All right. Okay. Because he do a lot. He do a lot. He do a lot. He do a lot. You would think that comes down to two things. I'll describe yeah. them. Okay. It's basically like, it's like a matrix of a couple of things that'll help you guys determine what you think is right, and then those are the only things that matter. Oh. I have an idea of what they are, but we'll get to it. Ratings? Sure. Do you want to do the plot first? Sure. You sure. do it. Me? Yeah. Okay. Um, Jenna. In 1994, Robert Zemeckis made a movie about uh, the most tumultuous times in American history. From the perspective, from the perspective of a white man. Of a white man. <laughs> the movie uh, we were clamoring to see. Yeah. It was based on a book. It was based on a book. Not a very good book. I've read that. I haven't. I heard it was very different. I based didn't know on, it's pretty different. Based on the sequel... Um, I don't imagine, like, the the writing was not the thing people were clamoring for there. No. But the sequel, the sequel wasn't it written in rage against the movie? Yeah, he does not like the movie. He doesn't I like the movie. They softened the character a lot in a way that he was not okay with. Uh, yeah. But, like, the sequel, the sequel, he goes to space with a chimp, and then he crashes the Exxon Valdez into a, a rock. Like... Sure. That's the plot of Gumpin' 2. Like, <laughs> Gumpin' 2 electric boogaloo. <laughs> Gumpin' 2, how Gump got his groove back. Yeah. No, Wait, so what's so the, plot of, plot of Gump 1? The, the plot of Forrest Gump is a young, uh, a young boy of, I don't know the appropriate way to say this, of reduced less than facilities. Less than typical mental performance. Um, sure. Capability. I don't know. We'll clean that up in post. <laughs> um, pretty much just like uh, wanders through all of the most significant events of the 1950s, 60s, and 80s, and 70s, and 80s. Um, did you just skip that on purpose the first time? I did not. Oh. I just can't count. Um, <laughs> wanders his way through that, uh, juxtaposed against the very tragic story of the girl who lived next door to him when he was growing up. Yeah, that girl had um, life. Yes, she did. Um, should have been her movie, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know that she would have been the good guy. She would have been a good guy. Probably would have been a, a more gripping movie, though. <laughs> um, not family friendly. No, not nearly as much. 
but he experiences wonderful things like teaching Elvis how to dance, which makes Elvis look like kind of a jerk in the end. Yeah. Um, which and I think he might have been. I don't know much about Elvis's actual life. But. No. Uh, from what I hear of Elvis's actual life, he was a very sappy man with a full heart who was like a like a kid naive about a lot of things. Hmm. Okay. Just kind of a bad dad, I think. Yes, bad dad and also thought that he could be a secret agent. Okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> Coke will do that to you, though. <laughs> Coke is a hell of a drug. Um, yeah, he teaches Elvis how to dance. He goes, goes to, to Vietnam. Vietnam. Sure. He um, starts a shrimp chain. shrimp chain. Starts a shrimp chain by accident. Um, Most which I don't understand. Oh, yeah. Did that was the shrimp company a real life thing? That no, they, no, they no, started that's it a, after the movie. Have you okay. ever eaten there? I've been past one. That doesn't count. Okay. They've got signs at the tables explaining like the, no, the origin. It's a, so it's a sign, <laughs> so it's a sign that says, uh, run forest, run if you don't need anything, and you flip it to say stop forest, stop if you need them to stop and give you something. It's like Red Lobster if Red Lobster had a gimmick that wasn't just Red they do, Lobster. It's lobster. <laughs> <laughs> just questionably sourced seafood. It was good. I had it one okay. time. It's very expensive. And I'm, it's exclusively at tourist traps. Like, they're all across the country in the places where you generally don't want to go if you live there. That is the reason yeah. I've never been to one, because every time I'm in that place, I'm either like, mm, I don't want to eat in this particular corner of this place. Mm-hmm. Or if I do, I want something local tourist trap as opposed to, glo- or like, domestic, wide, global tourist trap. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say colonial tourist trap. And I'm like, yes. kind of, I want to yeah. only eat biscuit. No. <laughs> I just like, I'd rather do like, oh, this local diner that's like clearly overpriced and just caters to tourists. But at least it's a local diner that right. is clearly overpriced and caters to to- tourists as opposed to a Margaritaville or a right, or Red Lock Cafe or, you know, or, or a, what is that dog one? You know what I'm talking about? The dog one? That yeah, they're all over dog? like the southeast. No, the salty dog. That's what it is. Oh. You've seen their t-shirts on people. Trust me. I'm Probably. sure. Yeah. yeah. Are they usually like weirdly tie-dyed for some reason? Do no. they have sunglasses often? Yeah. Let me see if I can just pull. Are you the thinking salty of dog Big Dog, the '90s t-shirts? Probably, but I imagine Salty Dog. Imagine that he's at least wearing a hat. The, the straw dog. hat. I'm imagining a straw hat on a St. Bernard. This is quality programming. Yeah, I mean, I'm connected to the internet now. We'll, we'll look at it, it later. I'll put it in the show notes yeah, thank if you. this makes it into the podcast. Probably Which will. Which let's hope it doesn't. It's, but it's it will. more or less on topic. We edit with such a firm hand. You know? <laughs> I'm very stringent about keeping us on a, a strict time schedule. Sidebar, anyway, though, so I do want uh, now a Forrest Gump fan fiction where instead he lives through the same time period but in the 1700s. And like takes him up through the American Revolution. It's I guarantee you. Since it we went back to your thing of you wanted a disaster movie in the 1800s. Oh, yeah. oh man, I pretty much just want like every movie that came out when I was a child, but like superimposed over the 1700s. You got a boner for like early American history? No, I just think it would be ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to see ludicrous in a period piece set in, the, in the 1700s. If they ever make uh, Hamilton into a movie, it's not like he couldn't be in it if he wanted to. He's qualified. He's like Madison. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's it, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Gump gets grows up. He invents jogging, apparently, somehow. I figured that's something we would have come across before the 19... 19- I don't think he invents jogging. I think he just invents a cult around jogging. Because he okay. jogs across the entire country. Like three times. three times. I think it's more of like a zen meditation. Like, he's got it all figured out. It's just about running, man. Like, okay. Yeah, he well could have spun that into being a cult leader. Oh, absolutely. Real, real easy. And it well, would have been very funny if that happened well, accidentally. Well, you can see people coming out of the cult. That's one of the things I love at the end of the scene. He's like, I'm going to go home. And they're like, but what does it all mean? He's like, I just, I want to go home now. And they're all like, oh shit, I've wasted like two years of my <laughs> life running behind a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye guys. What? See, now that's a more interesting movie I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> just a documentary of somebody who like, sold all their worldly possessions to run behind him until the day he was just like, nah. Yeah, it's like wild, wild country, but like uh, Forrest Gump country? Gump country. Gump, gump, gump country. Gump, country. <laughs> dance, dance, revolution. Which sounds like a brand of, <laughs> of country music. Yes, or like a weird soup. Yeah. Uh, just to wrap up the plot really quick. <laughs> the th- he, very thorough job we did at the plot. <laughs> such a thorough job. Yeah, everyone's seen this movie. It came out in the greatest year of cinema in 1994, and it was like the... the most overblown thing that came out that year. The interview with the vampire came out. 
amongst a lot of other yeah, cinema classics. I would call it Interview with the Vampire Cinema Classic. I said amongst. <laughs> um, In and around. Uh, so just to sum up, he goes home, uh, reconnects with his childhood fixation, Jenny. Who he had seen as an adult maybe five years ago. Yeah. And there's a small they, like, boy. cross paths every now and then yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah. But yes, they do bone once. One time. And uh, there's a small boy played by Haley Joel Osment. Yep. Who is a lot like Forrest, I guess. It's his kid. Yeah. yeah. It's his child. I mean, it's obviously his it's kid. It's unambiguously <laughs> his child. Asks, she tells him that. That's, yeah. not, that's not in debate. Oh, she goes, okay. it's your kid. Yeah. Oh. But she could have lied. She could have. She really could have. Um, that's why I don't think she's a good guy. Then she kicks it. Yeah. And then she dies. She and then she dies. This here mortal coil. Yeah. Of Cancer. AIDS. It's AIDS? either AIDS or um, Hep C. Oh, they don't. Yeah. They don't say. They just say it's an uncurable uh, virus, which in the eighties or ish or whenever she dies, both of those were AIDS. yet to be identified lethal viruses. So you kind of get the impression it's one of the two. Fair. Yeah. Poor Jenny. And given which, her lifestyle, historically like, would have put her at a higher risk. Sure. Yeah. Which historically, um, uh. To a disproportionate level, affected uh, young white women. Yes, it's in definitely the, 1980s. <laughs> the people that were. <laughs> yeah, that's who we were most concerned about. Yeah. And that's why Reagan just jumped into action. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, we're salty today. I got some political hard feelings. I was feelings. about to say a lot of commentary here <laughs> on this here uh, episode. I had a little time at work today to like surf the internet, which is like never a good thing to do when I'm about to express opinions online. <laughs> you know, if you have a platform, Dan, it's immoral not to use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to everyone on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so back to so where's up the, the money, Dan? Wait, well, let's do, do ratings. ratings. Oh, our ratings. Um, I mean, like again, it came out when I was four years old. I watched it a unjust amount of time, <laughs> um, just given how unjust. big it was. Well, again, like there's just like I don't know that it's a particularly good movie. I think it is like very well beloved. Tom Hanks is, of course, national treasure, but like it. I don't know. It treats a lot of things in a very difficult time period with it weird gloves. I'm not going to say kid gloves, but just weird gloves. Oh, no. It gives it the good old back to the future treatment of like, wouldn't it be funny if a white man did this instead? And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. But that said, all that said, like, I know it pretty well and I'm going to give myself a six. Okay. Hmm. I thought you were going a little higher. Um, if he's a six, I'll anchor. I'll probably go six as well. Okay. I've seen the movie a disgusting number of times. I do like it. I do think there's problems with it, but I do like it. Um, it's definitely entertaining. It's very long. Um, it is very long, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I haven't read the book or the second book. So like... Skip it. I know it, I know it well, but so does every human being who was primarily alive in the last 30 years. So like that isn't necessarily a strong like standout reason to rate myself like a nine or anything. So I'm going to go six. Uh, Do you guys think there are gump heads out there? Like, who is the ten in this movie who's not, like, the guy who wrote Forrest Gump? He's definitely not the ten. The person who created the thing is never the ten. This might be the exception. (laughs) That's very well true. I Um, do think there are gump heads out there. I definitely think there is. They're the ones who start Bubba Gump franchises. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I actually, uh, it, I have I have read the book. Uh, I read it when I was like 14 because uh, it was on my parents' bookshelf and I was like, I might as well read this because they were not very big fans of the movie. So I've only seen it once and a half. Uh, and I read the book like, what's that, 15 years ago. So I'm going to give myself like a four because I remember the Big plot points, and the fact that Robin Wright is amazing, but her character's kind of shady. Uh, well, she had a very traumatic. She had a very traumatic up. time in general. Uh, Not that that necessarily gives say, you license to be a shithead the rest of your life, right. but like it also understandably starts you at a different. She was put on a path. I was gonna say, yeah. I get, I get where you're coming from, but you need to look at your choices. Um, about how you treat your neighborhood friend. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I liked it fine. I do think that I saw it long enough after I'd heard about it that I was like, I don't get what the hype is. That's fair. 
Um, I made Megan do that. She had never seen it until she was far too old to see it, and we watched it. I think she liked it, but it was, she was the same way of like, it's good. Yeah, it was like, like fine. I had some problems with it. I liked some bits of it, and I was like, but like it's a it's a classic, and she's like, okay, okay, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily make it good. And I went, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> Here uh, we are. I'm actually like I'm interested if we ever wind up doing like Goonies on this podcast because I'm in a similar boat. But like I never saw it when I was in the age bracket to see it because my mm. parents were like not big on it, and then I saw it as like a 24 year old and I was like I could see how I would have loved this <laughs> times past <laughs> but that's where I'm at I think I'm like a four did I say four that's you said four yeah so let's talk to so money. where's the money coming talking to money so you know because we did such a good job with the plot we basically haven't circled <laughs> around dollar let me tell you <laughs> We haven't actually circled around to any of the money things. Let's we're circle talk back about. around to Vietnam because that's probably where it comes nope. in. No, you started. No, it starts before. Uh, it starts much later. So here's the later. Deal. Here well, I started in Vietnam just because that's where he meets Bubba. Right. So here, yeah. Well, then that's fair. So here was my plan. I was gonna add up, kind of like we did with Ron Swanson, like all the things he made and like what those could have accumulated to savings wise, and then if he did this, and then if he did that. And basically what I realized, that's all bullshit and none of it matters. <laughs> so Dan's become a nihilist. <laughs> Podcast over. Nothing matters. No. Because. This movie teaches us that wealth is uh, only accumulated by virtue of dumb luck. Correct. And that you should never try at anything. Yeah. So. You just are good at things or you are not. And it doesn't matter either way. Yeah. Usually helps me white, apparently. And Tom Hanks. Yeah. All right, let's throw in the closing music. <laughs> uh, no, because it really comes down to two things that happen. So in Vietnam, he meets a buddy, Bubba, who becomes his best friend, who says that when... Bubba Viet- Shrimp, I believe is his name. Bubba Shrimp. <laughs> I don't know. Bubba McShrimperson. <laughs> the Shrimpit. The Shrimpist? I don't know. The Shrimpist. I don't know. I was trying to come up with a title. It didn't go the well. Shrimpist. That's a movie I'd watch. The Shrimpist. Um, it's the Tempest, but they're all prawns. <laughs> I was going to say it's like the pianist, but Adrian But Bubba they're all prawns. Uh, Either way, I'd watch that. Hey, you're welcome for my stupidity, everyone. <laughs> this is the programming you get when you don't pay for podcasting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, when we have no sponsors, you get this. Yeah, pay pay uh, us money and maybe we'll tighten it up. <laughs> I can't guarantee it. <laughs> but anyway, so Bubba and him come up with this plan that after Vietnam, Bubba's whole family is shrimp into shrimping. That's like their long-term... like I mean, but they have been like yeah. shrimp boat operators for forever. Shrimpists all the way back. Right. Uh, <laughs> as far as the eye can see, there is shrimpist. When the chirp, um, when the, the church of Prawn fled <laughs> the old country, they, their family was on the boat that brought them over. I just don't know if I could tell you how much this tickles me. <laughs> shrimpists. Uh, um, anyway, go on. <laughs> unfortunately, the line of shrimpist dies in Vietnam as Bubba dies. It's very sad. Um, so Forrest, to keep his promise to Bubba, buys a shrimp boat um, with his money from a ping pong oh, yeah. endorsement, which he we just, didn't talk like, about at all. Wins the Olympics. So this was a real thing in the seventies, like a thawing of tensions with China and the U.S. are based on like ping pong tournaments because that's something like both cultures liked, I guess. Wow. So he like again stumbles into his historic moment by being very good at ping pong because he learns to play it when he's in the hospital after he gets shot. Like he's okay, but he gets shot, and he gets a twenty five thousand dollar endorsement for when he gets back for endorsing some paddle, and he uses it to buy a shrimp boat, and then he goes shrimping. So that's the first thing we need to figure out is how much money he makes shrimping. Okay. Because then they take that money. His lieutenant in the war, who like helps him as a shrimp boat captain, as a shrimpist. Um, a fellow shrimpist. A fellow shrimpist. A shrimp convert. Yes. Um, yeah, he looked into the crystal and saw prawn. Um, <laughs> See, prawn! <laughs> no, for real, keep going, because that's amazing. Uh, he invests their profits in Apple. Oh, the company. The company. Uh, some fruit company, as Forrest says. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. They make... All of their money on Apple. They make all the money. It's just a matter of what we need to figure out is how much the shrimp boat made so we can figure out how much they invested in Apple 
and we need to figure out the timing, and I'm gonna, you're gonna come on this journey with me, and then we can kind of figure out what he's worth. Do they stop shrimping once Apple gets big? Uh, he moves along for another reason. His mom gets sick, and he leaves to go back to her, right? Yes, I think that's when this happens. You get kind of the impression that, like, Lieutenant Dan continues to run the business, like, for him. Yeah. Well, I think there's a large storm. This is probably... So, yeah, that's actually what we need to talk about. So, okay. they is... Well, no. So, they uh, are shrimping, and they are very bad at it. Um, As converse to shrimpology. Yeah, you can't expect you, to yeah. be a level five shrimpist before you meet with the prawn. Right. You just, like, you didn't have it indoctrinated growing up, so you don't know, like, all the, like, call and responses that you kind of get ingrained right, as and a the kid. sitting yeah. up, the standing down, the, like, right. opening the can. Totally. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> putting the butter in the pan. You yes. Know? Like, which type of cocktail sauce for which sort of occasion right. sort of thing. How it's much just horseradish. Like, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite religion. <laughs> <laughs> we will start this. Uh, <laughs> no, but anyway... So there is a real hurricane in the real world in 1974, Hurricane Carmen, that does actually come up like through the Gulf of Mexico. And so the movie uses this as a, hey, they destroy all the shrimp boats, but Forrest and Lieutenant Dan's, and then they become very successful at shrimping because they're the only game in town. Sure. So that's what we need to figure out first. Basically is throw out what they were doing before because they weren't making anything. Like you see them pull up like a boot and, you know, some other bullshit. But you get the impression that they only really shrimp, or he only really shrimps for about a year-ish before he okay. comes home. Uh, so we need to figure out how much he made. What's the going rate on shrimps? Let me tell you. Oh, boy. <laughs> the world is so much fun. <laughs> there is so much information <laughs> on Hashtag the internet. shrimp facts. That you would be like, why does this matter? <laughs> <laughs> timber of your to your place of a man who spent a long time I, alone with a computer oh yeah no i was reading there's like a 40 page report on the shrimp industry every year published by like the oceanic council or some bullshit and Dang. i was deep in its guts Whoa. uh and i at one point looked up from like my couch and went I'm insane. Like, <laughs> I look like a murderer. I think this makes you a shrimpist priest. I, yeah, I may be a shrimpist priest, unintentionally converted. Um, Can you marry people with that? I don't know. You guys want to get married three weeks Only early? in states yeah. that end in A. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of them. We'll go Trust me. Louisiana, yeah. Alabama. Uh, Indiana. End of it's list. kind of end of list, yeah. Alaska. Alaska. Arizona. Yeah. Uh-huh. Montana. Nebraska. Did you say that one already? No. We're going to think of them all. Okay, we're done. I think <laughs> we're done here. Um, New Hampshire. So, table one. <laughs> Total Gulf shrimp landings and revenue by vessel permit status. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, man. We went deep. So, out of this uh, amazing report about shrimping, <laughs> what I mainly found... Dan's favorite book of the year. <laughs> it's going on my book bingo. I do book bingo every year. I think I need a non-fiction. It's all going to be all about shrimp. Shrimps. Um... There are two types of shrimp boats in the Gulf. <laughs> Sounds like you're a man who is a shrimpist, and you're like, there's two types of shrimp boats. Those who observe the Sabbath and those who don't. <laughs> shrimp kosher and non-shrimp kosher. Those who cook with tail on and those who cook with tail off. Um, so there are those without a federal permit. Oh. These are your smaller shrimp boats. Uh, they tend to stay closer to shore because they're not in like international slash U.S. coastal water. I mean, they're in coastal waters, but like they don't need a permit because so they, they also don't like bring in as much. So they're not going to do the same environmental impact, et cetera, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, okay. So that's for like, it's not for where they can go. It's for what they can bring in. It is actually where they can go. Oh. But basically, if you want to be commercially viable on a bigger boat, you need to go deeper. Sure. And therefore, you need to get a permit. Okay. Okay. So it's not really a, it's just more of a like, do you want to be a local small boat or do you want to be like a major company runs you and it's like operationally efficient and you're out with a permit and all that. Do you know how specifically you catch shrimp and not just any fish? You just drop a net until you find shrimp and then you drop the net much more frequently in that one spot until you stop pulling up shrimp. Well, the way you say that is like you've shrimped <laughs> before. <laughs> uh, I do think like most fishing... 
you try to catch most of what you want, and you wind up catching a lot of other things too. And uh-huh. as much as you can, you don't. You put you those throw other them things back. back, and sometimes that don't go so hot. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you just try to get the dolphin overboard before anybody <laughs> catches you. <laughs> After you cut the steaks out of the dolphin, then yeah. you throw it back overboard. You cut the mermaid's tail off and pretend it came from a fish. Right, right, right. You get the wishes from the mermaid, then right. you chop its tail off. <laughs> um. So. I believe I can't remember what year this is from. They they are updated a few years in arrears. So I think this is either from twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. But there was three thousand five hundred and seven no permit vessels in the Gulf. Oh. And there is one thousand and ninety three federal permit in the Gulf. So the bigger, more operational sh- ships. Seems like a lot of boats. Uh. You know. It's a big area. I guess that's. We eat a lot of shrimp. Because total landings, which is what a shrimp is called, like how much they bring back to land. Um, <laughs> I don't think everyone's read the shrimp Bible. <laughs> is 48 million for those, no, for no federal permit and 80 million for the federal permit. Oh, These whoa. Pounds? Yes. Pounds. Okay. But if you think about it, again, to be clear, 3,500 boats without a federal permit bring in 48 million pounds and 1,000 with federal permits bring in 80 million pounds. So yeah, again, so much difference to... in size. Much bigger difference in size. Well, Gumps is a teeny little boat, right? So mm-hmm. he's like to start, a at least. non-federally permitted boat. That's what I'm guessing, but we need to talk about it. They also, okay. and this I don't understand. I'm not sure if it's just because of they maybe get different types of shrimp when you go different deeper out. Because there are like rock shrimp versus other shrimp, but... The price per pound is actually higher for the federal permit as well. It's like four seventy for price per pound for the federal, and only two seventy for the local ones. So I would, but it's revenue; it's not profit. So I, it can't be like too much efficiency stuff. I would Maybe. make the hype. I would make the hypothesis that as they are going deeper, hypothetically, those shrimp get to. Are of a dip, a of a different species and B are likely larger like overall. Because yeah, when you buy shrimp at the grocery store, I do guess you do get like the small, medium, and like large ones. So maybe yeah. it's just that they're of higher quality and bigger. Yeah. Again, just a hypothesis, though. We don't know much about shrimp. Yeah, come at me with shrimp facts. Hashtag shrimp facts. Um, you say we don't know much about shrimp, but I think I just put in more information on shrimp than any normal person would the know. We. Is Damon and I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're the dumb babies who... Yeah. Uh, I, for one, pray to our overlord, the Grand Prawn. <laughs> Every night, I leave an offering <laughs> of a single lettuce leaf and a wedge of lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <clears throat> so what's our next step? So we basically need to decide which one of these vessels he runs. Because I have... So what I basically did is I just broke it down in both cases to like how much they... Uh, bring in pound-wise per vessel, times that by their revenue to get a dollar amount. And then I actually found a company called Marine Harvest, which there's not a lot of good fishing companies that are actually public, but this one was. And so I was able to get a profit margin. They have about a 5% profit margin. So I can just apply that to figure out basically how much forest is excuse me, bringing in on this shrimp boat to figure out how much he then invests in Apple, which is really... Frankly, where the money's coming from. Sure. I also, and we'll talk about this in just a second when we pick which one, but I also upped the amount they're making because they're the only game in town. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Because I don't think it's fair to use an average shrimp boat when they're the only ones there. Yeah. So, first question, big shrimp boat, little shrimp boat? Little shrimp boat. there's two of them, so it must be a little shrimp boat. That was kind of my thought as well. So... Unless there's a bunch of unseen... Helpers. (laughs) It's a little boat, though, right? Uh, it's a little, it's a little boat, but Forrest is an unreliable narrator. That's fair. So Lieutenant Dan also has like a, a cathartic moment with God, though, and you don't like see a guy in the background like, "You doing okay, hey, buddy? <laughs> How are things up there? Are you okay? I'm gonna turn the boat around. It seems like we need a break. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say little boat. Yeah, little, little shrimpy. Unless Forrest is leaving out a number of undocumented workers from this retelling to all of my good friends who I paid seven cents an hour. That's my Forrest. That's your Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'd like to see you try. No. See. <laughs> there it is. Ask an answer. <laughs> so the average little shrimp boat is actually not particularly. Neither of these are particularly the average, profitable. I want to make a little 
little kid's book called The Average, Average Little, little shrimp, shrimp Boat. And it's about not trying too hard. <laughs> the shrimp boat that could have, but, but it was it just fine the way But it, it had is, a big you. lunch and it got <laughs> sleepy. So. Brenda. <laughs> so it brings in about 14, 13 and a half thousand pounds. Okay. Makes about $37,000 in revenue and only brings in about two grand a profit. That's like your average little boat. In what time frame? In a year? Basically. Sorry. In a year? Yeah. Ooh. I'm guessing, a, I'm guessing some of these are like recreational. I don't know. Sure. But okay. I would shrimp for fun. But yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot to me either, but that's what I got. And it's possible that I use this profit margin for like a bigger company. It's possible their profit margins are a little bit better. Uh, that's not normally the way it goes, but it could be of just like, you know, selling to tourists. Well, they do own chef. a boat, so I imagine that they are making negative money. So that's, just a, that's what my understanding of boat ownership is. Yeah. I don't have a great personal tie-in for this one, personal finance tie-in, so I think what it's going to be is don't own a boat. Don't own a boat. Yeah. It seems like a poor choice. At unless you're super a into share. boats. A timeshare? You can do a timeshare with boats? Oh, hell yeah. You're recommending a timeshare? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, they are not timeshares like you own part of the boat. They tend to be like you rent out a couple of weeks of the year of like someone okay. else who owns the boat. That I uh, could be into. Okay. But you can also just charter a boat. I was going to say. So just do that. It seems like it may be more expensive up front to charter a boat. Wait, I like, can just rent a boat and pretend to be rich for yeah, dude. Like a what weekend? do you think Groupon's all about? I don't know. Yeah, in Chicago, it's Ice pretty cream? much it's boats. It's just like boats. It's boats and like removing foot fungus and failing businesses. Yes, failing restaurants. Mostly failing that restaurants. Are trying their last thing or failing spas. That if you read the reviews on Yelp, you're like, ooh, I see why. So wait, when we get Groupons from the movie theater up the street, that's a bad thing. No, 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 that's fine. Oh, okay. The so movie they're theater's not... fine. It's not failing. That movie theater is just very small. It's probably failing sad. for other reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. But so here's my thought about like how much shrimps they bring in. They're not very good at it. In the beginning, but again, do they get they... good at it, or is it just that they're the only game in town? Like, I think are they... they making? Are they getting a lot of shrimp for a shrimp boat, or are they getting a lot of shrimp for them? You know what I mean? It is implied that they are getting a lot of shrimp. For a for shrimp, shrimp boat. boat. Okay. Just because basically it's implied, like a lot in Forrest's life, you almost couldn't fuck it up. Like it's so, <laughs> there's so few other things there that you just like, you dip your net in the water and magically it's full of like So wait, by shrimp. virtue of no effort of his own, this uh, white man just stumbles upon an opportunity <laughs> in which he could not fail? This is like, if you made this movie today, you would call it hashtag blessed. Um, Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have no joke there, but yes, correct. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, so let's say that they did uh, more than the average bear. So what I did is I doubled the amount they brought in. Sure. Doubled the price, because that would definitely happen. You could argue about the doubling... Sorry, I doubled the amount the average boat brings in. Sure. Okay. Which would be way more than what they were bringing in. And if you want, we could leave it the normal amount that like a, a boat would bring in. Sure. But I definitely stand by the doubling of price. Absolutely. Because, again... There's going to be a huge shortage of shrimp, supply, demand, right? It's equal demand, less supply, price is going to go up. And then I doubled their profit margin because I think that's also fair if you're the only game in town, right? So, and yeah. your price doubles and presumably your marginal work doesn't particularly get I was going to say, theoretically, like, in fact, if it's just yeah. the two of them, like, what costs would really rise, like... What are the costs shrimp with boxes? Shrimping? Like right, what, I mean that's what I'm like, saying. Like I don't think it it's boxes? much of anything. I have no idea. That's how you catch lobsters. I have never set foot on a boat. No, I think they about? do. I think they do nets. Yeah. Nets for shrimps. Yeah, nets for shrimps. Oh, I meant like getting them off the boat. Right. I somewhere knew what else. You meant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean refrigeration maybe and a few other things, but like. But I feel like you just. Cost. I feel like with that kind of boat, you just pull up somewhere and then you they go like to the fish market. Right they like schlup all of the shrimp right out of your boat. Oh, schlup is a good sound for it, but I hate it. I watched shrimp. a lot of Deadliest Cash when I was a kid. So. Do they call it slipping? Huh? Do they call it slipping? No, but that's, that's totally the sound, the, sound the, yeah. the machine makes when it all of the oh, all of the crab right out of the boat. Theoretically, I like seafood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the same way, I like all meat. Yeah, if when I don't meat. think about it, if it comes in a little green styrofoam container, I'm fine. I was going to say, after the war, I'm totally just going to be a vegan, so... Not we by, like, will. choice, yeah. but just, like, I can't bring myself to or do anything else. Hunter-gatherers. <laughs> so that makes them wind up with 27,000 uh, pounds, 150 in revenue, 150,000, bringing home about 15 grand of profit. 
That still does not seem like a lot. And again, Forrest is an, is an unreliable narrator, but the impression is that every other boat in town is destroyed. Yes, at least in the Gulf. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I believe... I believe that this amount of money is the correct amount of money. It just seems like shrimping is a poor choice of occupation. No arguments. Well, and I think like the implication is that like it was so distraught that they were not only able to increase the profit of their boat, but also expand to other boats. Yes, they. I think it even. I didn't watch the movie. That might this, be textual. Yeah. I think yeah. they even mentioned that they buy like ten because they he yeah because he mentions that like he names his boat Jenny who is. The childhood friend. Jenna. And then he mentions like having like 10 or 11 boats and four of them are being, are named Jenny or something like that. Dude. He, I, he specifically, I specifically remember him mentioning that in, okay. the, in the movie. So, so it would be ludicrous to multiply that number by 10? I think he maybe should. I can. Uh, how about this? Let me get through the rest of the stuff. And then we'll multiply it by 10. And then we'll multiply it by 10 just to blow our say, fucking We minds. are talking about a man who takes three years off work to just run around the country. Yes. So. His costs are low. No, okay. I just like, we'll. We'll, the, we'll get there. Good question. Let's go back to okay. it. Okay. What's step two? So, step two is we need to make another decision. The way he makes the vast majority of his money is by v- investing in Apple. Right. The key thing we need to decide here is when. So Apple IPO'd in 1980. Let me make sure I have that that number right. Yes, in 1980. And it IPOs at $22 a share. And it has sent, in the first day, it grows to $29 a share. Tell me what IPO stands for. Oh, good question. Initial public offering. Thank you. So basically, a share of a company is just a small amount of ownership in a company. And so when you decide to go public, you decide we're going to share, sell this many shares representing this percentage of our company for this price. Sure. And so that's kind of determined by people who set the market, but they basically just decide, hey, if your company is worth, it's pretty simple math, right? If your company's worth a billion dollars and you want to offer half of that, well, then you're going to offer 500 million. If you want to offer 500 million shares, then every share should be worth a dollar. Or if you want to offer... 100 million shares, every share should be worth $5. Or if you want, you just kind of do the math to figure out how much the company, and the company decides how much they need, which determines how many shares they offer. Both how much they need, and also there's some other things too, right? Like if there's a majority owner, he might not want to share, he or she might not want to sell any of their stake. And so like, there's some other things that go into it. But basically the idea is, here's how much we're selling and how much it's going to cost. Okay. In an ideal IPO, because you want to like raise the profile of your business and you want to incentivize investors to buy, uh-huh. because in theory, if I put a 500 million shares out there, it's possible nobody buys them. Right. Yeah. You want to price it attractively. So not dirt cheap, because you want to get as much money out of this as you can. The whole reason you're going public is to get this money. And something to think about that a lot of people don't realize, in the stock market, it's a secondary market. So if... Once Apple puts out a share and Liz buys it at $22, Apple gets $22. But every time that share is traded from there on out, Apple gets nothing. Sure. Liz sells it to me. I sell it to Damon. Maybe Liz buys it back from Damon. Maybe I buy it back from Liz. Then Liz buys it back from me. Like, like the stock market is really you're trading shares with someone else who owns them. Other than IPOs or follow-up share offerings. And this is something I think people should think about with, like, with sustainable investing. I'm a big fan of it. I understand why you want to do it, and I do think there's some benefit to not buying you know, evil company shares because it causes their price to go up, and that can have some advantages for the company. But like when you buy an Exxon share, you're not giving money to an oil company. That's not exactly how that works. You're giving money to someone else who owned Exxon shares before you. Sure. So, so that I can profit off their sin. Exactly. So, yeah. so in, the, in that <laughs> way, it is moral. Yeah, yeah, it's all moral. Everything's moral if you try hard enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, that's Capitalism. what the shrimpists believe. <laughs> the shrimpists. shrimpists are for capitalists. <laughs> but anyway, the reason I mention all this is because you want to price it in such a way that you get as much money as possible because you're, that's how you make money as the company. But you also want to price it attractively enough that people are incentivized to buy it. Right. If my company's worth $2 billion, I offer $2 billion shares, and I price them all at $10, everyone's going to be like, screw you. Like, <laughs> uh, go yeah. away. We're not going to buy that. So Apple IPO'd at $22 a share, and it 
rose in that first day to $29. Well, which is not uncommon. A lot of times you see a bump in the first day of an IPO. Not always, and it doesn't always last, but that is not uncommon because they tend to price them a little bit lower just to like get interest. Question. So it moved from $22 to $29. Mm-hmm. Is that just like it would probably depend on specifically who my broker purchased it from at the end of the day where yeah, that who, money went. What, how that money? How like, is that, that broker buying changed? it from somebody who bought it at $22 or are they buying like the last stock from Apple at $29? So, or is that a silly question? Uh, no, it's so Apple only sold it at $22. The way it works okay. is they sold it at $22. Okay. So if your broker got in and bought it from Apple, you got it at $22, and the market had decided, now, now basically you owned it at $22, and other people like me and Liz were willing to pay you $29 for it. This is okay. like StubHub, like when kind people of. buy up all the tickets from a concert and then sell them for a little bit more. And IPOs actually can be like that. If there's less, if they're what's called oversubscribed, more people want them than are available, there are like strict rules on who gets them and how and what order, because... Not every there might not be enough for everybody. Okay. Sure. Uh, and I bet you this was at the time. But so if you're an American Express Platinum member, you exactly. get access first. <laughs> you get I, you get Apple shares first. And you don't pay any of the service fees on top of it from Ticketmaster. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the so the, yeah, it's a good question. But the question being is if you if you bought it through your broker and they got it, you got it at twenty two. If you bought it on what the secondary market, you bought it through the stock market during that day. Depends on where you bought it. Okay. okay. It started at twenty two, but it may you may have bought it at twenty four. Maybe I got twenty nine yeah, yeah. or twenty five or twenty seven or twenty nine. Just depends on when in the day you bought it. Sure. Okay. So my presumption here is that he buys it at twenty two dollars, and within day at the end of the day one he has it for twenty nine dollars, which would significantly increase how much he has. But then I also went back and figured out what it is worth today. And between stock splits and everything else, and for people who know enough about stocks, just so you know, I'm not including dividends because there's not a ton of them, but between stock splits and price appreciation. So sometimes stocks do what's called splitting, which is where one share becomes two, or they can do what's called reverse splits, which is like two shares become one. (laughs) It's tending to try to keep your price reasonable for people. So if you have like a $5,000 share price, you probably don't get a lot of people investing in you, so you might want to split to have like... Ten five hundred dollars shares, sure. or if your share is like three pennies, and like that kind of is a sign they're kind of a shitty company. So you might like combine a hundred shares and become three dollars a share. And so then in that case, like whoever buys them just has a smaller or larger percentage of the company's stock. Nope. No, because if you think about it, if you're splitting all shares, your percentage doesn't change. Oh, oh okay. I mean, I think I was thinking of like if you had a big chunk of shares and you split it up. Uh, you're right. Never mind. No, because if like you it's have ten, if you have ten out of a hundred, and then suddenly you have five out of fifty, it's the same. Your same percentage. You're right. The difference being, if you get more shares, what happened in Apple's case is, as you get more shares, if you have ten and they go to twenty, it's no different than if you have, you know, five and they go to ten. Like percentage-wise, it's doubled. But if you get, let's say you had five and they go to ten, or instead you have ten and they go to thirty. That's the sort of thing that happened with Apple. So you get more shares, and they go up even more, and so it winds up being more and more and more and more valuable. Does that oh, make sense? Okay. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Clarify if that like didn't make sense. It's just basically you get more and more shares, and they keep going up in value. So like independently of anything else, that you may not have more percentage ownership, but it's worth more. Okay. I think I get it. So for every dollar of Apple share in at, at its IPO... It's now worth $527. What? Man, don't you wish so, you were around to invest in that with your shrimp money? I know. <laughs> so if he had put his basically $15,000 in at $22 a share, he would, at the end of day one, his 15000 would have become basically 20000 It's like a 30%, a little more than that, a little less than that increase. Good for him. Like, that makes him good day. But now... It would be worth about eight million dollars. What? Do does he have to split this with Lieutenant Dan? Uh, no. Well, he splits it with Bubba for sure. He gives half to Bubba's family. Oh, okay. So that would be worth four million dollars, and he'd have four million dollars. Presumably, Lieutenant Dan 
put probably in. is making some of his own money as they like assuming he's running the empire. I think as Lieutenant Dan works for Gump. Gump, but does not himself own part of the company. Okay. I think so. And he so was investing on profit, his profit. His would his income would come from salary, which would come out between the difference between revenue and profit. Okay. Okay. Also, it wouldn't shock me if, like I said, since Forrest went home, if he like is running the rest of the boats and is paying himself a very reasonable, if not maybe more than reasonable yeah. salary. Sure. However. Does buy some pretty good space legs. So. There you go. <laughs> does he get, wait, does he get space legs? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that. It's just prosthetics, but Forrest calls them space legs. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's kind of dumb, guys. <laughs> However, that's in 1980. And we know Hurricane Carmen went through in 1974. So that implies six years of a gap, which seems a little long for me, A. Yeah. And B. That implies he only has one boat. Implies he only has one boat. Well, uh, but. Oh, you're saying that they may have invested prior to the IPO. So. Right. Uh. Don't they show, am I thinking of a totally different thing? Don't they show them in their like garage making like their Apple thingy? No, he no. has a letter. Yeah. A letter. You just see a letter with the, the, the logo on top. Macintosh oh, okay. letterhead on it. Yeah. I think I'm one. thinking of another movie. But the way that like Bubba's family is living high because remember, in the first day, now it continued to go up after this, but it only would have gone from like uh fourteen thousand to like twenty thousand, which is not a lot of money. Mm. I mean it's it's a decent That's amount a of money, good but like chunk back. But like they have they show Bubba's family living with servants. Now, in today's day and age, that would be totally possible because that twenty thousand becomes, you know, four million each. But I don't know. That seems. What are they paying these servants? So here's what I'll say. <laughs> Can you? I mean, you don't see where that scene is set. They may not be in America. That's true. <laughs> That's true. If you go to like French Guiana, you're probably good. That's true. But here's what I will say. The other option is potentially that they invest before 1980. So they become basically an angel or a VC, a venture capitalist, in Apple before it IPOs. Okay. Okay. What does that do for, what do you, how, tell me more. (laughs) So it's the exact same process, right? But instead of owning a very small percentage of the company, you tend to own more. Uh Uh-huh. And you just do it as a private individual. Okay. So you walk up and say, hey, Apple... You need money to keep going. You're not ready to go public yet, or you don't want to go public yet. So I want a percentage of your business for some amount of money. Okay. Uh, but it tends to be more wealthy people who are doing that. Like a shrimp magnate. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if he could, but it's fun to run the numbers. So yeah, let's, let's run the numbers. And maybe did. if we do 10 times, he could. So let's talk yeah. about it. So in 1976... There was a venture capital funding, or the company was trying to get some venture capital, so we know these numbers. They were looking for $500,000 for a 15% stake. Okay. Apple, for a very long time, was not particularly well valued. So $500,000 for a 15% 15 stake. So let's say somehow Forrest was able to get into that investment. Sure. His $15,000 would equivalent... would equal, let's do this the easy <laughs> Equivalate. way. Equivalate. <laughs> to a 0.45% stake in Apple. Okay. That's very small. It is. It's bigger than you think, though. <laughs> However. However. Apple's current market cap is just over a trillion dollars. Uh, <laughs> What's four and a half percent of a trillion, Dan? No, no, point, point four. 0.4. 0.4. Oh, excuse me. It's 4.5% billion dollars so half of that i can see why they have seven billion dollars yeah they're good now admittedly that's today that's not right after the ipo where the company would have been worth less the company was worth like a hundred million i think uh about that uh no sorry it was about it was worth a little over a billion when an ipo'd so right after it ipo'd their stake would only be worth like six million that's still but enough still, to get some servants. That seems more right to me than the hundred and eighty. Uh, sorry, than the like twenty thousand. Sure. If that makes sense. And that's sense. six million in like eighties money. Yes. So that would have been yeah in in eighties money. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I'd take six million in eighties money. So my thought is yeah they get six million because they are venture capitalists 
and if they had held on to it today, it would be worth uh, about two and a two point two billion dollars. Let it ride. Let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Unless, then, yeah, okay, hold on. So let's talk about the how much shrimps. I think that we. I don't. It think is heavily. If it's not textual, it's heavily implied that they invest in more boats first. Here's what I think. I think you should reduce that number of how much shrimp they're bringing into the average amount, and then multiply the sh- the shrimp boats by ten. Mm, okay, I still think that they would make more because there's no other shrimp boats. Well, no, no. I think keep the price of the shrimp the same, but the amount of shrimp you're bringing in is. Well, there's three things we changed, right? Yes. We changed how much they're bringing in. The price per shrimp and the profit margin on that price. Okay, so, so I those doubled two things, all three of them. Yes. So I, I, st- I think the profit margin going up, and I think the price per shrimp going up. I think it's fair. Shrimp stasis, love it. Because again, just basic supply and demand. There's equal demand, less supply. They, the prices and the profits, therefore, will likely go up. Absolutely. Okay. But I can leave the landings the same. Yes. Okay. If we leave the landings the same and we bring down the or and we increase the price and the profit, we actually wind up with less than the fourteen thousand. Okay. Um, because the I mean, the, it, you still end up with more than like the average shrimping boat today that we did the research on, but you only wind up with seven thousand, and so basically cut everything in half. But it's up to you guys if we want to increase the number of boats. Yeah, multiply that by ten. Okay. And call four of them, Jenny. <laughs> so, if it's ten boats, and I I pulled that number out of my butt, so I hope I'm remotely right. Yeah, but I think it's great. <laughs> that would mean the profit would wind up being seventy five thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> so if you put seventy five thousand dollars into venture capital in Apple in nineteen seventy six, yeah, you'd have a two point two five percent stake in the entire company. That's a lot larger than before. Which would be worth $22.7 billion. Today? Today. Or after Bubba's half, $11.4 billion. He's good. Well, and the storm happened in 1974. Yeah, so in theory that would be two years. Two years of profit. Yes. Do it. <laughs> I mean. Do it. It's do it, you cowards. It's just going to double it, but okay. Do it, double it. <laughs> Then say the I number. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> oh, well, it's not an at symbol. Hold on. No. Cell doesn't like at symbols. All right. That gives you 4.5% of the company. Yeah. And $45.5 billion. Yeah. So $22.7 billion under Ferris's name. Ferris's. Ferris. Wow. Where did that come from? <laughs> Forrest's. Hashtag save Ferris. Hashtag save Ferris. So, no, no, wait. Is that money adjusted for inflation? That's that today's. Two That's day. today's money? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it would have given him... So if the company was valued at 1.3 as it IPO'd, 1.3 billion um, times 0.045 would have given them 60 million when it IPO'd. In 80s Man. money. In 80s money pre splitting the, it. The pre the price jump up to 29. So that's really mm. that's just 22. Sure. Uh, when the price jumped up to twenty nine, by the end of the day, they their sixty million would have gone to eighty million, and that's eighties money. That's eighties. Could you money. adjust that for inflation for me? <laughs> Let me see if the internet is now working. It is. So yes, I can. Inflation. I just really love the things calculator. that inflation does to numbers. Okay, so <laughs> let's say sixty dollars because it'll be the same multiple. In I believe they went. I think IPO'd in August of nineteen. 19- 80 to July of 2018. That would be equivalent of $181 million today. Yeah. That's 60, though. At the end of the day, it was worth 80. So that would be equivalent to $242 million. That's what I want to know. Because it's like 60 million, 60 million and 80 million sound like a lot of money, but that's 80s money. Yes. So it would be worth basically 240 to in today's money, you get a lot more bread that way. If they did the IPO, if they venture capitaled and bought early, it would be worth twenty-two billion. After he gives half to Bubba. Yes, that's amazing. So either way, I love when we do ones like this, where it's just like, how much absurd amount of money did this person make? So what you're saying is Haley Joel Osment is insufferable. Oh yeah. yeah, and also so is Ferris's kid. <laughs> and Ferris's, Ferris's kid. kid with yeah. Sloan. <laughs> Yeah. 
Yeah, presumably. He named him Cameron. <laughs> it was in Chad. honor of his friend who died of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, or whose dad killed him? Maybe you never actually see that confirmation con, uh, confrontation. But yeah, I think no. it's telling that there's not a Ferris two. So <laughs> um, Ferris two, the fight to save Cameron. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of money. B going back to what we were talking about. If you're a rich white man who can put your money before it IPOs, if you're rich anybody, but back in the 80s, let's be honest, or 70s, let's be honest, that meant rich white man. Mm-hmm. And today. It's easy to make. Oh, not easy, but like you can make a lot of money. That's not hard. High risk, high reward, You just though, put right? it somewhere and you be patient. <laughs> it is like, high risk, high reward, though. I mean, yeah. you this is an individual okay company. You're not diversified at all. Now, you, you bet on the right horse. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But. And it's not like Forrest was using that money for anything else, so it's likely that he put all of that profit yeah, into Yeah, he was just using well, it to maintain it. a farmhouse that was already paid off. Yeah, yeah. decades ago. <laughs> he, I mean, I don't even know if he knows he has it. I mean, it's implied that Lieutenant Dan I imagine, invested for him. I imagine Lieutenant Dan's accountant puts money into a bank account and Forrest just swipes his credit card wherever he goes. Yeah. He just goes to the bank so. and says, I need like $47. And they go, that'll be just fine. <laughs> you can leave. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, dang. I love episodes like this. Anything else? You guys want to go in on a shrimp boat? I mean... I think there's easier ways to get the capital. As a shrimpist, am I allowed or am I? Do I have to? It was like killing shrimpists. I think we've come down. I think we've come on the fact that um, you just you worship the shrimp through capitalism. So you have to. You have to engage with the shrimp. You have to harvest them them and imbibe them and sell them. I will say, at an inflated market value. Don't eat too many shrimp. You'll get gout. That happened to a friend of mine. Huh. Like an old friend. Like, <laughs> he was he was middle aged, but like yeah, you, he, he. I don't know if this is legitimately true. Uh, and he's he has since passed away, unrelated to the gout. But like uh, he told a story once. He was like, unrelated. Yeah, unrelated. Okay. Um, he was like, uh, I have gout because he was walking around with a cane, and we were like, What's up with that? How do you have that old timey disease? And he was like, There was an all you can eat shrimp buffet. Wait. And I went all in. Are, are you implying we are all one buffet away from gout? I feel like maybe he was already a good amount of the way there. Everybody's got a buffet limit, I don't and he think, just hit his. I don't think my doctor's ever been like. And remember. There is one shrimp too far for you, and you'll never know what that is until you find it. Posters with these menacing prawn. No, apparently, apparently, uh, like shellfish, like fatty shellfish, like that can definitely up your risks. I I agree. I I think I'm one buffet. I don't think I'm one buffet. I I don't think I'm one Jimmy Buffet buffet away. From having gout. I think there's two <laughs> determining factors here is A, his dietary health before Correct. the buffet, and two, was the buffet in a casino. <laughs> I think it was on a ship. I think it was like a cruise ship. That's even worse. This is a casino you can't leave. Yeah. So I think he was obligated to eat every shrimp put in this front of This shrimp him. smells a little funny. Well, we're on day six, so it's the best we got. Finish we're the shrimp. <laughs> we'll get more shrimp. I don't think they have nets on the cruise ship catching the catch for the day. I the think next it's just day. short-sighted if they don't. Did you miss the part where I said I've never been on a boat? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it doesn't know how boats work. Let's do uh, one about how boats work. Uh, don't buy them. That's the real yeah, lesson don't here. Buy them. Don't buy boats. And also, uh, diversify unless you can uh, pick the next apple. In yeah. which case, don't. If, don't pick the next apple? Don't no, diversify. No, which is don't diversify. If you, if you can pick the next apple, just don't leave it for well, the rest no, of us. Well, tell Dan and yes. then don't. Tell yes. me. I will provide some capital and we'll be very happy. And we'll all retire to our shrimpest fantasies. It makes sense why you can, you know, mow that lawn for free. Right. Anyway, thanks for listening to Make Believe Money. I've been Liz. I've been Damon. That's I've right. been Dan. <laughs> I don't know. It felt right to be outraged. Thank you. I appreciate the tone. Uh... As always, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice is very important to us. It gets butts in seats with headphones on, (laughs) and uh, that's important. Please tell three people who don't know about this podcast about us, uh, because I think we're pretty funny, and also we have wide-ranging topics for all of your friends' needs. And also, we're out to make disciples of all Earth. (laughs) Of all Earth. 
both oceanic and land. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we'll have a link in our description for the place where you can sign up for our uh, 10-week course on how to be a shrimpist. Uh, it requires that you don't eat or sleep and you live in a small uh, box. I don't know. I'm trying to make a cult reference. It's fine. Um, thanks, as always, to our uh, music lady, Charlie Miller, for her uh, songs that she puts in our all of our podcasts. Go listen to her music on charlesymiller.com. Uh, <laughs> email us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at mbm underscore podcast, I think, or mbm podcast. We've been saying it for like four weeks, so let's hope it's right. Who knows? Uh, and, you know, uh, we'll see you next time on Make Believe Money. Bye. I told you I would have a hat. Yeah, this is what a salty dog T-shirt looks like. Oh, it's like a like a what would you call that? A setter, it's like a Devo an Irish hat. setter with a with a. That's a Devo hat. That's, that's a, a that's a Shripperman's hat. Yeah, that's like a rain hat. Oh, in the glare, it looks like a Devo hat. <laughs> Thank you.